Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. I ask the stupid questions and he... Well, I do my best. <laughs> Try and answer them. <laughs> and remember, there is no such thing as a stupid question. No, only the one you don't ask. Particularly if you're asking it. And more about that a little bit later on. It's all brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Yeah, absolutely. And if you would like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app... We would love that. And go and watch YouTube and subscribe there too. Sponsored by aerobasecreative.co.uk. And in this week's episode, we're travelling in winter. How is it different? Mm. It's cold. <laughs> Put on a coat. <laughs> First of all, let's dive in, shall we, to your product of the week with thatleisureshop.com. Oh, yeah. What have you got this week? A big box. This is a Falcon Smart TV. We love this. This is their 22-inch TV. They do a 19-inch TV. For those not watching on YouTube, we're holding up a TV in a box. <laughs> Keith's being very silly with it. Uh, these TVs are great because they are capable of picking up uh, terrestrial TV, so standard TV off an aerial, uh, satellite television, they've got a satellite decoder in, smart TV, so you can stream Netflix, BBC iPlayer over the internet, and what Falcon call their Plan D which is a DVD player. One of the things I've always observed is that modern smart televisions have dropped the DVD player from their spec, and this has a DVD player inside. So you can't see it on the box, but it's great. They're really good, and they're really competitively priced as well. Great Christmas gift idea, I think. Fantastic. What's the difference between a TV in a motorhome or a caravan and your normal TV? Great question, actually. Viewing angle be number one. So the fact that these have a 179-degree viewing angle, you're not always sat right in front of the television in a motorhome, because the nature of the space, uh, unlike you know, in your lounge at home. Uh, and so if you're sat sort of on the side of the television, it can ghost. Uh, but these have a really wide viewing angle, um, and so they really are built for the job. And, of course, they're 12 volt and 240 volts, so you can run them off the ledger battery. Sounds good to me. That's the Falcon TV with its Plan D. And remember, <laughs> it's true, actually. I remember from the NEC, uh, the, the big show, that Falcon were talking about maybe you haven't hooked up or you're in a funny place and you can't get a signal or you're fannying around with your <laughs> satellite dish or whatever. Sticking a DVD in for the kids is the thing to do. Absolutely, it? yeah. It's dead easy. We've had lots of times where we cannot get a signal because we're in a valley under a tree, there's just no Wi-Fi connectivity. Yeah. So you know what? That Plan D is the answer. Get the DVD box out uh, and go and watch something on a disc. What sort of price are we looking at? Uh, they retail at 319 but they're on special offer as we go to Christmas. So go and have a look. These are all 12 volt and 240 volt. Fantastic. You so can mount them on a wall bracket or yeah. sit them on a tabletop. Okay, then, we're talking winter, and make sure you have the best entertainment for rainy days. <laughs> it's either the television or it's cards with grandma. Well, absolutely. Not everyone wants to watch telly in the van. Uh, I get that. We hardly ever watch ours, I have to say. If Interestingly, when we do, we're often watching a DVD. Jude will go through the DVDs, go, I've seen this for years, and she'll take it with us for when we're in the motorhome and we'll sit and watch it in bed uh, early in the morning or late at night. But yeah, pack of cars. Make sure if you're travelling in winter, the nights are going to be coming in earlier, so you're going to be sat in the van for longer. So take some board games. Get the playing cards out. Dare to get the Monopoly box out of the cupboard under the stairs if you dare to play it. It causes too many rows in our house. Yeah, it's a long game, though. It's a long game, <laughs> Monopoly. I do like a game of Monopoly. <laughs> it's the Motorhome Map Podcast with me, Keith Gooden. 
And me, Motorhome Matt. And it's brought to you with that, leisureshop.com. The main part of our podcast this week is travelling in winter. How is it different to that spring and summer bosky purlieus that you were driving through? And now (laughs) you're in the middle of winter and things look sparse. But you want to get out, don't you? You want to travel. You want to see things. I tell you, an icy landscape is a beautiful landscape. It is a beautiful landscape. Can I just ask what you're drinking? An icy toilet, however, oh, is not beautiful. No, no let's not go with toilets. <laughs> yeah. the, ma- the main thing I say is preparing for it. So the roads are going to be different. They're going to be wet. They could be icy. Winter means harsher weather, so it can mean high winds. Certainly darker mornings, darker nights. So it's about preparing the You're vehicle. You're selling this to me, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beautiful sunsets, yeah. clean, crisp air. <laughs> we go away in our van at winter. It's brilliant. The campsites are always quiet or closed. <laughs> Keep driving, darling. Keep driving. Keep going. Next one, next one. We've, no, always, we always book in winter, I have to say, to make sure that we can find somewhere to stop. But we've stopped in some amazing places, like park for night spaces or a pub car park. Brilliant. Around bonfire night, go and do the bonfire in the pub, out to the motel at the back. Spend the night there in the pub car park. But it's about preparing. So what we wanted to unpack is all the stuff that probably seems a bit like common sense, but you know what? It's often good to be reminded. So stuff like packing an extra blanket, some snacks, a warning light. So take a warning triangle or take a beacon. We talked before about V16 flashing beacons in case something goes wrong. And a beacon like that at night is going to be really, really useful. And bear in mind, four o'clock, it can already be really dark. So make sure you've got appropriate clothing as well in case you do break down and you have to spend a few hours waiting for the recovery service or 15 hours like I did, and a power pack as well, so you can keep your phone charged if you are stopping out on wild camping, off-grid, or something's gone wrong. So make sure you can keep your phone charged. So what's a V16? V16 applies to the beacon that flashes red. It means it complies with an EU directive. Uh, It means it can be seen one kilometre away. And in Spain, in January 26, they are going to legally replace the warning triangle. And I expect this to become normal across Europe as we go through over the next few years. So they're a legally accepted alternative now. They're a brilliant complementary item to have with our warning triangle in the UK because they're very, very visible. And they have a magnetic base, so if you're in a car, you can easily just pop it out on the roof and it will just turn on. You haven't even got to get out. It's a white torch and a flashing orange or red beacon. Really useful. And as you've said before about those uh, beacons, you don't have to get out the car to set it off flashing. You can just put your arm out and stick it yeah. on the roof. Whereas with the triangle, you've got to tramp half a kilometre down the road in the dark with cars coming at you. That's right. Hence, they're being wound up, really, um, in favour of these beacons. But, of course, in a motorhome, it's plastic, so (laughs) there's nowhere to put it. Uh, So you can turn them on and then go and place them. So you'd still have to walk to the back of the van to turn it on and place it on the floor behind you. stick it on a frying pan. Yeah, you could stick it on a frying pan. Yeah, the handle, you could stick that on something as well. (laughs) You you, you can tell I'm an expert at this sort of thing, can't you? Uh, Don't do that. Uh, (laughs) Tyres, let's check the age. Maximum of five years on your tyres, is that right? Yeah, so when did you last check the age of your tyres on your car? Well, I know they're about three years old. How do you know that? Because I had them changed. Okay, but how old are the tyres? So you had them on the car for three years, but how old are the tyres? I don't know. How do I there find out? Exactly. So on the sidewall of the tyres, a little pill-shaped oblong, and in it is four numbers. Uh, for example, it could be 4417, 4417, which would mean that tyre was manufactured in week 44 of 2017. 
Now, when you buy tyres in a shop, you go to the the tyre place, uh, we never check the age of our tyres. We just, they're brand new. I didn't know how. They could have been sat on the shelf for two, three, four years, maybe longer. Uh, We bought a caravan um, in part exchange here, and the tyres had, I think it was 1207. This was a few years ago, and the tires were 13 years old On based on the pill. The tires looked great, good tread, no cracks, no bulges, but they were really, really old. So the recommendation is that you replace the tires every five years. Um, some corners of the world say seven, but basically between five and seven years, you should change the tires, even if the tread is great, based on their age. Right, okay, mud and snow, M&S. M&S. So uh, on some tyres, the question often gets posed, should I fit winter tyres for driving in the winter? Motorhomes have motorhome-specific tyres. So Continental and Michelin both make a motorhome-based tyre, which has a different tread pattern to a normal road tyre, and the sidewalls are thicker, simply because motorhomes weigh more and they spend more time sat around still, not moving like a van would uh, you know vans doing 30 40 thousand miles a year moto might only do three or four thousand miles a year the mns bit on the side means it's rated for winter but it actually means mud and snow and it's not regulated at all so a number of tire manufacturers wanted a regulated tire so a categorization was introduced called 3p msf which stands for three peak mountain snowflake now it all falls into place. So if you want a genuine winter tyre, look for a little logo, which is a picture of a mountain peak. I think it's got three peaks, hence the name, and a snowflake in it. That is a regulated tyre, which means it's been tested, been tested properly on snow. In fact, I'm going to read this. We got this from openeo.co.uk. They sell tyres. The advanced ISO test checks the responsiveness of the tyre on snowy and icy surfaces. The tested tyres compared to a reference model and a positive result is achieved when its performance is better by 25% than the results of the reference tyre in at least 6 out of 10 test trials. So if you want a genuine winter tyre, look for the 3 PMSF. It's a three-peak mountain snowflake. That has had a legitimate test, whereas one that says MNS just means it's okay for mud and snow. I'm going to be going out and checking the age of my tyres as well. Well, the age is the most important bit. And while you're doing that, just look on the inside and outside of the tyre walls. Check for cracking. Check the treads as well. Turn the front wheels and get someone to just drive the car slowly forward and check in the tread for cracks. Your MOT test should pick this up. Sidewalls can crack, especially on a motorhome, because they're just not driven. The sun can cause it, and standing around can cause it. So if the tyre is starting to crack up, it might be time to replace them. But definitely check the age, yeah. So M&S, mud and snow, S&M, something completely different. <laughs> lights and lenses and your fog lights. So check they work. I know that's an obvious one, but just check your tail lights and fog lights work. We don't use our fog light very often, do we? Unless Are you one of those people that drives along with your fog lights on all the time? No, never. You drive a Volvo. Your side lights are on all the time. Yeah, yeah, you can't turn my lights off. I can, <laughs> have, I can have a different variation of lights, but I can't actually turn them all off at the same time. <laughs> that's true. But when did you last check your fog light was working? Uh, today, when I was going through the rain, coming here, yeah. and it was, uh, and there's lots of sp- spray. You could see it, and I, pu- I turned it on, <coughs> and the light came up on the dashboard. And if it wasn't working, it would say, it would give me a little message. It would probably say, say "blown bulb," wouldn't it? It said, "Keith, fog light blown bulb." <laughs> does it say it like that? It does. It does, does. It talk to you, Keith. It says. <laughs> 
but check your light lenses as well so they can get cloudy so the number of headlights i've seen that go really cloudy so your headlight performance is really low it's common sense i know but you can clean headlights some people say toothpaste uh, we did an interview on a podcast recently with uh, George Miles from Miles Valentin on how to clean your motorhome and he talks through how to you know, be- get the best out of your headlights making sure they're working nice and bright I've just had my headlights updated to uh, or upgraded to LED ones they're MOT compliant, they're brilliant they're really good at night, especially where we live and bear in mind as well, sunglasses so it might not be sunny when you leave but you're going to be driving in the afternoon the sun is going to be low in the sky uh, and that can be really off-putting and actually get you very tired. So sunglasses can be a really useful accessory to take with you. And make sure your windscreen's clean. Clean the inside. So they get really greasy on the inside, don't they? Especially they, sneezing on it. They, they do. <laughs> spitting, that sort of stuff. Eating your pot they, noodle while you're driving. They, they do. You know, you think your windscreen is clean. Then you get that low sun and you realise, actually, oh, as, as you say, the yeah. dirt's on the inside, not the outside. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and the worst thing you can do is wipe your windscreen when it's all condensated with your hand or a cloth. You know, those smears just stay there for ages. So really get a good glass cleaner and give it a good clean before setting off. Another great tip, if your windscreen's frozen or there's going to be a hard frost, park the van or the car pointing toward the sunrise and the sun will thaw it out for you. Oh, good good tip. There we are. Someone told me that. Good idea. I thought, what a great idea. Yeah. The other one is wind. In a confined space. Oh, Every time. Yeah. Open the window. <laughs> but yeah, high winds this time of year. We've got 50 mile hour winds here tomorrow. And if you're towing your caravan or driving a motorhome over a bridge, we've got the Seven Bridge nearby. It's regularly shut this time of year, isn't it, with high winds? But it can go very wrong very quickly in high winds, so just be very mindful of that. It's very tempting to drive with a white knuckle. <laughs> you're gripping the steering wheel so tight, your knuckles are gone white. Don't do Oh, it. that's what this is about. Stay relaxed and don't grip. That don't grip. I wonder what that was about. <laughs> and what about your antifreeze? Do, do we still have antifreeze? Yeah, of course we is do. Is that a thing? Of course it is, yeah. Right. Get your antifreeze checked if you haven't checked it. You can go to one, many of these driving places. They'll check it for free. They'll put a little pipette in and test that you've got a right level of antifreeze in there and then charge you a fortune for it if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and gas, the best type, and you're going to use some more so, of it in the winter, aren't you? Because Colder, for more. yeah, absolutely. So this is the difference between butane and propane. So this is leisure vehicle specific. So butane will freeze above zero degrees which is why most motorhomes and caravans have a red bottle on it which is propane because it doesn't freeze until you get down to minus 28 so make sure if you have got blue bottles on it's worth changing them change the regulator as well the bit that connects to the bottle and so you can use a propane bottle otherwise it's just not going to work and winterization of your water tanks what does that mean Yeah, driving along if your water tanks are under the van or even parked up then they're going to freeze if they're not insulated so a lot of British motorhomes have an external freshwater, certainly wastewater tank, and thus the pipes, and they're very prone to freezing, so they just don't work in the winter. Um, European-built motorhomes tend to have the freshwater tank inside the motorhome and often the waste tank inside the motorhome, or the waste tank is heated. There's a little slider, which uh, blue and red, and red is warm up the waste tank, uh, and it takes heat from your heating system. Or if you've got an Alder heating system, the tank has, might have a blanket around it, and it will warm your wastewater to stop it freezing if that tank is outside the motorhome. So it's being mindful that your water pipes or your, even your water tanks can freeze when you're driving along or you know, when you're parked up. 
Uh, OK, you're heating as well because it's winter. As I said before, you're going to be spending a bit more time uh, in the caravan or the motorhome. Yeah. And, you know, they're not the thickest walls in the world. And if it's cold, it's cold. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're in a panel van, then certainly that's the case because they often don't have any insulation at all. I was talking to someone about this recently and they said, why don't the back doors of our van have any insulation inside? I said, easy, because they condensate. And if it had loads of insulation, it would gather the water and absorb it. And then it would very slowly drain and hold in the bottom of the door, causing the door to rust. So that's often why a panel van doesn't have any uh, insulation in it. So the water can can escape and condensation doesn't form. But check your heating's up to the job. I'd test it before you go away. Nothing worse than being away and you've got no heating at all. I mean, that would be horrible. Then the temptation is to run the hob and heat the van with the hob. I've, I've seen this many times. Really, really bad idea. The amount of carbon monoxide you're putting into that environment is really significant. So if that is your only option, you must be doing it with a window open. But I don't recommend doing it that at all. So test the heating, make sure it's up to the job and you know, test it a day before you go away. Make sure everything's tickety-boo. We mentioned uh, this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Falcon TV, but plenty of entertainment, TVs, your cards, games. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, grab the card games out the cupboard. Dare to grab the Monopoly. If you've got the kids with you, they need to be entertained. Uh, and so, you know, get creative and, and, and take those games with you that perhaps you haven't played for years. You know, the little box set, the chess, the drafts, remember those? Looking hard-standing campsites, that's not something that uh, springs immediately to mind. But actually thinking about winter, uh, you don't want to be on grass, really, do you? No, not at all. You can get stuck. With regard to the campsite, if you're going to go, I'd book before you go to make sure they're open because lots of campsites do close in the winter and many will only have their hard standing pitches available because they don't want you driving on the grass particularly if it's wet and bear in mind if you do get stuck in mud whether it's on a campsite or in a farmer's field or wherever you've driven it's likely that the breakdown service is going to charge you for pulling you out we had a hire customer do exactly this 250 pounds later that we were charged uh, which we did ask the hirer to pay for because it was their mistake. Um, so it's not a free recovery service. You haven't broken down. You've got stuck. So they do charge for it. So that's about it, isn't it, really, for travelling in the winter? So wrap up, bring your entertainment with you, do the checks, and good luck to you. Winter can be a beautiful time of year to yeah. be in your motorhome or caravan car. We love it. The light's great. If you're a photographer, it's a fantastic time to go away and get some brilliant pictures. We go and see the murmurations on Sunset Levels and we'll go and camp out um we haven't done it this year i had time the too what? busy murmuration what are they when all the starlings are flying around you never seen oh it? A mur- yes yeah i've seen the starlings thousands yeah. of birds flying around before they go to bed it's, it's mur- incredible it's called a murmuration Didn't know that. beautiful yeah lots of places you can go and watch it and there's often campsites nearby as well it's a it's, it's brilliant it's a great time to go away. as i say campsites although some are closed they're often very quiet um, and we love, it's a great time to walk the dogs and you get shorter days, but there's nothing cosier than curling up with a blanket and, you know, something red in a glass <laughs> early in the evening. Right. And, you are uh, talking about wine, aren't you? I am talking yeah, about yeah. wine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> it's the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. And it's brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. It's our Q&A, our questions and answers, where you ask the questions and Matt, he does his best to answer them. He's got 100% record at the moment, though. Andrew Donaldson is in Nuneaton. The question I have is about doing weight restrictions, the three and a half ton weight restrictions and the differences between motorhomes of under three and a half and over three and a half tons. I'm aware of the 
the driving license restrictions and I'm of an age that I have the appropriate license to drive the bigger vehicle. My question is, what are the reasons should I be looking at for getting a smaller vehicle or keeping under the three and a half ton limit? Or is the heavier vehicle just as good an option? Are there any negative things that I should be aware of? Thanks, Andrew. It's that question again about the weight restrictions, Matt. Yeah, it's a new favourite topic. Yep. Toilets while camping and weights. <laughs> weights <yeah. laughs> well, the biggest thing is all about payload. So it depends at three and a half tonnes, what payload have you got? So what ability to carry a weight do you have? Uh, this is the difference between the net weight of the vehicle and the gross weight of the vehicle. So you need to work out your payload and the only true way to do that is to go and weigh it on a weigh bridge. The dealer might not be too happy if you start borrowing the keys and driving it off to do that, but that's the first thing. The other difference is the road tax is a lot cheaper if you're over three and a half tonnes. So it's £165 versus £295 if you're three and a half tonnes. There you go, Andrew. Thanks very much uh, for that. Andrew Donaldson in <coughs> Nuneaton. Uh, Susan Longson has also uh, sent us a question. Hi, Matt. We've just thinking of buying a motorhome we put a deposit down on it and the dealer has just informed us that while doing the checks they found in a spot 25 to 50 percent water ingress it's a 2020 eldis encore 250 we have looked at thousands of motorhomes to find our ideal motorhome we thought we'd actually found it. The dealers have been really supportive and said that they will do the repairs and we'll put it all right and everything. But we're just really scared as to whether we should go ahead and buy it or we should just walk away. Have you got any suggestions? What about water ingress? It's a really new van. At the moment, we've got a 2008 caravan and there's no water ingress in that. We're just really surprised that a van three years old has got water ingress. We'd love your opinion and advice, Matt. So that's Susan, and she's put a deposit down on a motorhome, and it's proven to be leaky, <coughs> Matt. Yeah, it is. What a shame. So first thing, Susan, it's great that the dealer has admitted this. That's a good sign, I would say, that they're of their integrity and the fact they're prepared to put it right. If they've done a habitation check and damp check, ask to see it. Just check there's no other issues as well. Um, they've said they're going to put it right. I would then you know, get them to re-damp check it again once they've done so and inspect the work. Um, there's no reason to pull out if they've made good the repair and then make sure you get a damp check done, I would say, in six months. Ask them as part of the purchase if they're prepared to do that, just to keep a close eye on things. You say that you've looked at thousands of motorhomes to find this one. So if this is the perfect layer, out then you know why not go with it and work with the dealer they it sounds like they want to do the right thing by you sadly it's not uncommon to see a, a non-european motorhome of this age have water ingress you know i've seen them brand new unregistered arrive in a forecourt they've been delivered to us in the past and they have a damp issue but bear in mind they might have been stood around for a year or two um, probably less likely these days but certainly years ago they would have been um, and they're sat in the same spot so water can form on the roof and it can wear away the sealant and you know get into the walls so um, it's not terribly uncommon but I, it sounds to me like the dealer's going to do the right thing by you 
So you recommend not pulling out of the deal, going ahead with it? It sounds like they've been on a journey to find this one. So, you know, I know what that's like. It can take years. There's so many layouts and, you know, people can you know get really confused. And if, if this is the perfect motorhome for you, then it sounds like the dealer's doing the right thing. Um, so I'd go ahead. Andrew and Maria are in Nottinghamshire. Hi, Matt and Keith. Love the show. We're in the process of doing our research before buying our first motorhome. Is there or could there be a checklist of questions that are produced that are important to ask when buying from a dealer or privately? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Cool, that's a good idea. That's a big checklist, though. <laughs> we should produce one. I know Wandering Bird has produced something, a guide to buying a motorhome. We've done podcasts in the past on choosing a layout, buying from a private person or from a dealer. There is lots of information out there. I know lots of the magazines as well have produced guides in the past for many years uh, on what to look for. The big thing is layout. I mean, that gosh, it's a long checklist of things to look for. And although I hate the phrase, it's so true. You don't know what you don't know. And you know, you don't know what to look for if you don't if you don't know what to look for. So it's a great question. I think it's something that we should consider pulling together, you know, different heating types, different layouts, number of seat belts. There's all these great questions which you need to ask of the motorhome you're looking at. And it's understanding your criteria. But Really, Google is going to be your friend here uh, and go and download as many guides and blogs and watch lots of video as well. There's so much YouTube content out there on giving you advice and come and listen to some of our previous episodes too. So there you go. Hope that's uh, good for you, Andrew and Marie in Nottinghamshire. If you want to ask Matt a question, all you've got to do is log on mhmp.info forward slash ask Matt. That's mhmp.info forward slash ask Matt. That's Motorhome Matt Podcast, MHMP. Do you get that? Yeah, fine. <laughs> See what you've done there. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Lots of people love watching this. In fact, we hear stories of people watching it in bed on a Sunday. If that's you... Happy Sunday. You can do that. Just go and click the bell and subscribe there. And YouTube is sponsored by aerobasecreative.co.uk. And of course, you can always share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Thank you.